When I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now? Gotta move on, those days are gone now. Take me back. Mike Young, Robert Young, stories that need to be told. Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks for having me. It's uh, night before Thanksgiving, Wednesday night. For years, every Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we'd come home and do a show, do a big blowout show. And we used to do the Young American Comedy Tour with me, Bobby Lee, Sebastian, Brett Ernst, Tony Rock. We would come home to Detroit, blow it out. Everybody would fly to their families in the morning. I'd get a bucket of cash from the Illiches downtown in a bag, give everybody money, boom, fun Thanksgiving. Now everybody's off doing their own thing. And uh, it's me and you. And me. That's my brother. That's Rob. You guys have heard him on the podcast before. He's been on a few times. But Rob, he's, he's the promoter. He, run, he, he pretty much ran the Young American Comedy Tour every time we came home. He's the, he's, he's the boss. And uh, I think he's sensitive tonight because he, really, he doesn't have to be the boss. He just gets to introduce the show stress-free. So he's working on his intro. What do you got? Stress-free. I'm just stress-free. I'm not really stress-free. <laughs> You're not stress-free. I don't know if anybody heard that because Mike just coughed right Excuse in the Excuse me. I got an allergy, plus this could be death. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's allergy death. Is anybody else coughing in the country? Everybody's <clears throat> coughing right now. There's some, there's some chemtrail shit going on. What do you mean you're not stress-free? <laughs> Put the mic to your mouth. I'm not stress-free. No, I know. Why? Because it's, it's you. It's, you're my brother. We're home, and it's, it's never that easy. We got tickets that we got to deal with people. Anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about, that's ever promoted or done any shows, you've got obligations, you got business, you got people, you got envelopes, you got to put names and things on it, and you got to stick it in the box office. It will call, and everyone calls you last minute. It just drives you friggin' nuts. Anyway. I love it because it, at, at the end of the night, it's a packed house and it's all love and it's you and it's family and friends and I love doing it here in Detroit, but the only hang up I have is I, I, I have that anxiety, making sure mom's in her seat, how's she going to get to the show? Exactly. We try to, we try to keep it stress-free, but there is no possibility in anybody's life that going home for Thanksgiving is stress-free. You talk about it, you say, you know, yeah, I can't wait to get home and see my old friends and family. But when you're doing a show like this and you're trying to promote it and get people free tickets and, you know, some people have to pay and then they're upset. And there's always like a couple family members that are trying to say they want, they want to pay for tickets, but they're really just waiting for free tickets. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all stress. So this year, I'm trying to not be stressed. Do I seem not stressed? You seem not stressed, although the cough might be a nervous thing. No, I got this, uh, it's an allergy cough. I got it when mom was out in LA. Everybody started coughing, and uh, it's definitely, it's just walking pneumonia. It's no Maybe mom gave it to you. Maybe mom brought it from Detroit, gave it to you. She seems fine. And then you got the sickness. Yeah, mom, well, she coughed her way home, so she, she's actually fine now. Yeah. It's just a little bitch cough. Like, <laughs> right. anyway. It's almost like a fake cough. I'm trying, I'm forcing a cough. I'm forcing a cough. So tonight, we're home. We saw, uh, have I seen any friends since I've been home? Have I seen anybody? No friends, no family yet. Have I seen anybody? I've just seen you. We went to the event. We went to the event downtown on Saturday night. Saw a lot of friends there. That's true. And we were with mom and county and uh, the family and and a lot of friends. It was more of a... You know, business thing for me. You were at our table 
And I bought my own ticket though. Just you know that, right? Yeah. Where would you have sat with the, if you just bought a ticket? Where would well, you have no, sat? Thanks for having me at your table. I'm saying I wouldn't have sat. I would have just bought a ticket and lingered around. Some people didn't have. It was 500 bucks. I don't know where I was sitting. That was just the price to get in. You just paid 500 bucks. Yeah. yeah. I realized I didn't even need to by the time I got to the venue, but it's for a good cause. We're saving <laughs> lives. Yo, next year we could all sneak in. I'm sneaking in. Yeah, because it's a great a, event. Yeah. We're saying, you know, it's for uh, Children's Tumor Foundation. Great event. And it's, it's, it's an amazing event. Dan Gilbert puts it on every year, and he probably raised $2 million, and they're getting close to a cure for uh, neuro. It's a, it's a, it's a neuro, it's a tumor disease that, that children get. It's terrible, but they're getting very close to a cure. Scientists spoke, Dan spoke. It was a great night, food, festivities, you know, auction. It was great. The dude from Under Armour came in and, you know, bid on some crazy shit. Now Under Armour's moving to Detroit. So it's all good. So my brother is 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 taking part in a big way in the resurgence of Detroit. So Detroit is making a comeback in a huge way. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, anything you read about it. Like today on the news, the Pistons are now moving down to Detroit. But my brother is involved. Uh, he had his company Young & Sons for years, and now he's with a company called Blue Team. And they are handling 50, 60 buildings downtown. Like all the properties, all of, he's just deep embedded in the resurgence of Detroit to the point where, yo, if you're out there and you you want to come to Detroit and buy anything, lease anything, call me. I'll hook you up. You'll meet my brother. He'll meet you downtown and take you on a tour that you won't believe. Right. It's more. It's more like over a hundred buildings, and we're working to clean up from the inside out. On the buildings, we're looking to, you know, what we do is get called in the emergencies, any fires, any floods and things like that. We do all that for, uh, you know, a lot of different property management teams down there. And we've been working since uh, the resurgence started about six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and then it really started ramping up the last four or five years. And uh, we haven't stopped and we're proud to be a part of it. And it's, uh, for me, it was Young and Sons, you know, for the last 20 years. And then last year I had a merger acquisition with our cousin Brian. Uh, and now we're Blue Team Restoration, which is badass. And we've got the scalability to handle the entire city of Detroit. So what's great is that I've been down there since the beginning, and our team has been down there since the beginning. So we've you know, made a name for ourselves, not just uh, you know in the suburbs, but in the city over the last decade. And what's nice is that we're down there, we're embedded in the city, and we get to help on a 24-7 basis with any of the emergency situations, whether it's a flood or a fire or a water main, environmental cleanup, things like that, for all the property management teams that are down there and all the different companies. And it's one big happy family. You don't feel the... You don't... You don't feel the tension of competition coming in, people trying to get your gigs and, you know, people trying to outbid each other. It's just a good, no. it's just a strong, great vibe down there. No, competition's good. It's fine. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been around long enough to know what not to do and how, and, and how not to treat people. And so we try to do it the right way every time. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a nice run. And uh, I've always, you know, cared about what I do. And if I wasn't doing this, I'd be a camp counselor somewhere, you know, totally. <laughs> collecting Petoskey stones with... Uh, if you, you know, go downtown, if you go downtown with my brother, it's like going downtown with the mayor. Every, literally, the st- every, he knows everybody in every building. He knows everybody in the streets. They all love him. And it's a testament to how he does business. And he does business people first, 
handle if you've got a for instance a giant property something goes wrong he makes sure everybody feels okay first it's you're not gonna everything's gonna be okay his team's gonna come in they're gonna handle it and you're never gonna lose even a minute of your business and so it's cool to see because you're working literally from the inside out and from the you know from the human perspective that's right out which and most people in that business a lot of people they just they don't work like that right. you know most people in a lot of businesses don't work like that but the great ones you you see a running theme and it's like dan says do do well by doing good yeah and you guys are doing well by doing good yeah and yeah if anybody's coming to detroit look us up you'll be down there we just had we just had our boy damon come in from la mm-hmm. just to you know because Leo has a company that he's on the board of called Well, and they're looking to do sustainable energy and buildings and get your property like yeah. human ready. So That's you're right. operating at the highest level. That we flew him here. He came down, spent three days with Rob, had tons of meetings, and he left back to LA. So excited about Detroit. I'm surprised he didn't buy an apartment while he was here. Well, they're going to come back and they're going to invest in the city. That's that's a hundred percent guaranteed. And you know, with with a lot of the properties down there, with the age of them and the the amount of time they sat vacant, which you know a lot of those properties was decades, making them now sustainable and making them so that you know the, it's the inhabitants, the people working in them is a healthy environment. Uh, it's a huge challenge, but uh, Bedrock and uh, and Dan and, and 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 the engineers and property management and facilities team and the upper uh, leadership teams, our company and their company are. are putting it together so that they can have a healthy working environment. You know, it's all about business continuity. When you've got that many people in a, in a, in a building that, you know, 50, 100 years ago, those buildings didn't, they weren't equipped for uh, two, 300 people a floor. They're built out differently. When Dan came in to put, you know, his company down there, he made a commitment and, and to get that many people on those floors um, and to, uh, retrofit, so to speak, those floors so that it can accommodate them and do it uh, environmentally conscious yeah. and sustainable when he, when he, is incredible. When he, when he says Dan, he's talking about Dan Gilbert, the owner of Quicken Loans and the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who's basically dedicated his legacy to rebuilding the city of Detroit. And he's doing it like I've never seen anything in my life. I've never, I mean, not only have I never seen it, but I don't think anybody's ever seen it. And I remember talking to Dan and I was like, what is your legacy going to be like? What do you, what do you want to be? You're doing, you're running the earth. You know what I mean? Like you got, you're so damn busy. He said, I want my legacy to be rebuilding Detroit, getting Detroit back. And that's what's so impressive about Dan is that he's such a, he's got the combination of like mathematical genius, understands business at the highest level. And he's also like got that street vibe where he just gets, he understands people, which is a rare combination. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of these dudes at that level are just, you know, they're, they're antisocial, they're genius in their own way. They're not like, they're not the guys you just go kick it with and have a sense of humor with. And he's definitely impressive on, on all those levels. And it's been cool to see. So, yeah, Dan Gilbert is doing big things, and Rob is, is handling business down there. And now it's Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. and we yeah. went, you know, being downtown is exciting. You know, you just, you can feel yeah. it. You oh, feel it down energy. there. Yep, five, six years ago, you could have thrown a bowling ball down the street and not hit anybody. And nowadays, it's packed. I mean, it is, it, you could, you could, 
take a snapshot from the street and you could be in any uh, you know city uh, around the world that's uh, been vibrant for years and Detroit's back. It, it's undeniably back. Uh, it's back strong. There's fun <clears throat> bars, entertainment, you know, yeah. people everywhere. Four thousand young people in one building working. Great businesses. You know? Great business attitude. I mean, the demographics down there is it's a resurgence. You, you really, you haven't had this since um, the industrial you know, the, revolution. It's like the people revolution. You know, it's 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 an industrial revolution of people. Yeah. You know the influx that's happening. There's literally, um, you know tens of thousands of people um, in, in buildings that were unoccupied you know, just a few years ago. And if you walk around and you see what's happening, it's like they've been there their whole lives, grew up in the area, and now everybody's coming. What happened, uh, you know, what's really fascinating is that most college graduates from Michigan, Michigan State, Eastern Michigan, most schools, Western, you know, all these schools in Michigan, most college graduates, they, couldn't, they, you know, they would graduate. They never looked for a job in Detroit. Now you've got kids from... Uh, every one of the M- Michigan universities, but not just that. You've got kids from all over the world coming I met here. A, at Dan's, at the event, I met a kid from Jersey who's like coming to live here. Yeah. You know, a kid from Jersey goes to Indiana, yeah. interning here, yeah. you know, wants to come to Detroit. Varvados opened a shop here. You know, all these people are, you know, Under Armour's going to come down here. It's going to be a hotbed. I'm just, I'm just deciding when I'm coming home and what the right situation is going to be. Because if I could open up entertainment, like if I get the Eminem show going on any level to start, you know, shooting in Detroit, fuck LA. Call it a day. I'm coming home. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the property here yeah, is great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like being home. Yes, is it stressful? It's stressful sometimes. It is stressful. You're stressed out about tonight. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be weird shooting a Detroit show or story in Los Angeles? It won't happen. It's it can't gonna, happen. No, no, it's not gonna happen. You there's just, no option. There's, there's no backdrop that can replicate what we have. There's no option. Dan would Dan, Dan would call up whatever he'd call HBO and go It's not happening. I'll buy you. You're not. Yeah. Gonna, you're not. He won't let it happen. Won't let, I won't let it happen. I'm the creator I, of the show. I'm I think, never, it's never going to happen. I think we're I, shooting I, it in Detroit. Right. I think at this stage in your life and at this point in your career, I think you, I think you need to make that decision. I think you're. You know, you're, you're single. You really are not grounded by anything right now. No strings. You have no strings attached. You're, you've. You know. You. You barely have any uh, nut to crack every month, and you could. Simply make that call right now. Are you willing to make that call right now, Mike? Yeah. Are you willing to make that call? That Today, decision? tonight, I will get a U-Haul truck. After my show, I'll head to Los Angeles. I will pack my shit and come right home. I will start a new production company. Well, you know, the truth is, I've talked about it for years. You know, Dan's brought it up for years. Come on home, run the entertainment. But it hasn't, there has to be a structured deal. It has to be a real an everyday thing. What is our goal? What is our? What are we going to do? How are we going to be, be, truly bring production to Detroit? It's not as easy as just saying it. The tax incentives for film are pretty much gone. You know what I mean? It's not as viable to. Sh- it's still cheap to shoot. What, what if tax incentives wasn't an, in uh, an issue? Who says tax incentives are an issue? I'm just saying for move for films, not films aren't coming here like they were before okay. because of the tax incentives. Right. So we don't have tax incentives. So what right. if you had financiers, you don't care. No, but we're, but I'm saying we're, we're but we're not set up yet. Even studio wise, some of those the giant spaces downtown are not studio. We'd have to come build out a studio, like they did in Atlanta, which they should do. Build out a studio and be TV ready. 
and go shoot TV shows on the stages. Well, you know, like Detroit, my dream, my dream, my dream, dream, ultimate dream would be to come back home and start an entertainment company and, and literally take all the projects I have going and just move them into Detroit. You know what I mean? If anything happened with the Kanye show, boom, we shoot it here on the stages. We shoot it. It becomes a Detroit story. Listen, Barry you know? Levinson did it with Baltimore. Woody Allen did it with New York. Why don't you do it with Detroit? Quit um, talking about it. I don't even know what the first step is. You just did it. Just commit to it. Just say, I'm making my movie, making my TV shows here. I'm making my... Okay, I'm gonna so do all who, my gives me, who gives me the million dollars an episode? You have people here. You have business connections in the community. I know, but it's shoot... And, and that want you here. Absolutely. But I'm saying the reality of a TV thing, I could do that with film. Tomorrow I can move here. We can start making movies. But television to shoot is very expensive. And you need a network to back you financially. I wouldn't put that on, on, on my five billion, you know, multi-millionaire people that I know here that want to invest. That's a risk that they need to cut. They need to cut the risk. I'm not, I'm not looking to take people's money. I'm looking to make incredible product, and they will make money. But they'd be, it's, a, it's a big risk for them, you know? Without a network backing them, that's why you go to a network. They pay for your shit, All right, or for a those studio you, pays for your shit. You know, right, I'd right. walk in with Dan and go over to Sony and say, "Boom, we're going to co-finance this whole this TV series with you," and do something like that. What if you filmed a little bit of the series in L.A. and New York, and a little bit of it in Detroit? If they hadn't, you know, while they're building out the studios, while they're figuring all that out, what if it was a commitment from the studios out of L.A. to make a commitment to the city of Detroit? Because there are warehouses that are vacant. There are lots that are vacant. There are old industrial uh, uh, automotive uh, yeah. factories that are vacant that would be perfect for a studio lot. If you look totally, at Totally, but I'm not be, a builder. And Dan, yeah. Dan's talked, <laughs> he's talked about it for your cough, cough. He's talked about it for years, you know? So we just have to literally just, just pull the trigger on it, you know? And he says, I'm going to sit down with him next week. He wants to sit down. I'll go to a game with him. I'll fly to Cleveland. We'll talk it out. And we'll see what we can really do. And he'll have, you know, he'll, he'll have to know that I'd be fully committed to coming here. And I would be. It'd be my dream to come here. I would want to come here and start a full entertainment, like a mini Sony. I'd do music. There's an amazing talent in Detroit. There's incredible talent. There's incredible singers, rappers, fucking alternative rockers. We're going to see it tonight. We're going to see yeah. some of it tonight. Some of the leaders and pioneers in the industry tonight. Yo, I mean, I could say it now because this isn't even coming out for a few days. So by the time you hear this, this will already have happened. But Jeff Bass, who produced Eminem's album, first two albums, I believe, responsible for 150 million records sold, is a friend of ours. He agreed tonight when I call him out. He's going to come on stage, and he's, going to, he's a master guitar player and obviously music maker. So he's going to come on stage, and he's going to get up and do some guitar shit, and I'm going to freestyle with him. And it's just going to be a fun, fun night. you know. And I've reached out to a couple other artists in Detroit that didn't hit me back. It's funny, you know, it's very interesting. Like I hit up you know, this girl who's supposed to be like the hottest new singer. So I, I really don't know anyone she knows, but I hit her up on Facebook and she really didn't hit me back. She hit me back once and she's like, what time is it at? And did it never hit me back again? But it's like, note to all you up and coming artists out there, get your business straight. Return calls, return emails. I know people, I work with people at, the, at a high level. 
the Russell Peters, the Bob Saget's, the uh, Joe Rogans, the you know, in the comedy world, and these people are all, and you know Michael Rappaport, uh, you know Paul Rosenberg. These people are on time. They return emails, and they are way busier than you are, young up and coming artist who thinks they're a star because you have a million hits on YouTube. I'm here to tell you, you got to get your shit straight. Like the world doesn't work like that. And if you want to be successful for real, be on time for your meetings, be on time, you know, for your for your show. Get back to people when you say you're going to get back. Keep your word because there's a hundred singers that can do what you do, but it's the ones that keep their business mind straight and have respect that make it big. And believe me, it's 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 real. These it's not a mistake, you know, that these people are successful, high level, smart, and on time. Are you going to have your guys later in their careers that just, you know, dangle and are late for shit and don't show up and get on whatever they're, whatever's going to be is going to be. But I'm telling you in the early stage, get your business shit straight because that's what you need. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We're looking forward to coming to, for, to doing the show tonight. It's going to be a blast. Me, DJ Bam, who is a great kid, man. I've been doing shows with Brad for 20 years. We had a, a rap group, TKO, together back in the day. And he is an old school DJ, and he can DJ better or as well as any DJ that I see in LA at the clubs. And I see all you guys. I know I'm not going to call you out, but... I see you at One Oak. I see you at Marquee. I see you at Hyde. I see you all over the country. My boy Brad, DJ Bam, he can get down on the ones and twos like an old school Jam Master J shit. He knows how to cut, scratch, mix, keep it flowing on all levels. And again, I love working with Brad because he's always on time. He doesn't drink. He's almost, he's almost, he's an awesome DJ nerd. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, Always got his shit together when it comes to the show, which makes me feel good because I know all the backbones of the show are going to be solid and tight and on time. You're not going to meet a better dude in the game. Better Mm -hmm. dude in the game. And, you know, believe me, if I know this is going to be a great fun night and we'll have our talks about recap, re-upping the Young American Comedy Tour Mm -hmm. and like getting Brad out there and having you run shit again. Like, I know that that's going to come up because it'll be so much fun. And it's it's interesting because Brad, Brad's got his own little fame in his world. Brad's mom is Jackie Callen. Jackie Callen is the first female boxing manager to have a world champion in James Tony. Jackie's a legend in the fight game and she's one of mom's friends and your friend and my friend and she's Brad's mom so mm-hmm. it's it's so funny and you know I always my boys always bust my balls in, in LA because they're always like young you're telling me if I go walk up to Tommy Hearns he's really gonna know who you and your brother are really I'm like yes bro what's Tommy Hearns gonna say to me when I walk up to him he's gonna say how's his mother Mm-hmm. How's their mom? How's Rob? How's you know what I mean? So, you know, L.A., New York. I know you got your fame shit, but Detroit's got some real fucking shit. You ever heard of Motown? It was born here, you know. And Jackie, Jackie is a legend. She knows everybody. She, you know, she knows boxing inside and out. And we were part of that world. Yep. You know, I sparred James Tony for three rounds. 
very poorly. And, you know, <laughs> you did it. There was blood coming from my brain, but I did it. I got in with him. And uh, Jackie had James Tony, lights out Tony, when he won the middleweight championship of the world. Rob and I were running around with James Tony and Brad and Brian Callen yep. and Jackie and Mom. And, yep. go, you know, we kind of like rode that train for a while and kind of loved it because yep. we were already super huge boxing fans. And already integrated in Detroit we already boxing in, scene, Kronk. We were already into the Kronk boxing scene. Rob was great friends with Emmanuel Stewart, God rest his soul. To the point where, you know, Rob literally was at his bedside, yep. you know, and my brother has been on the forefront of the resurgence of what hopes to be Kronk boxing, making a comeback at some point in Detroit, but shit is just upside down in that world and it's unorganized right now, so it's taking time, but hopefully it all shakes out and people realize that, you know, Kronk boxing is worth, it's, it's still alive, but it needs a home and it needs funding, and it needs a, a place, yeah. and it needs that. Yeah. Emmanuel was a master. He was just a master father figure to these kids, and that was part of the thing. It's like I read an article yesterday, and they were talking about uh, some kids learn to shave. Some of the fighters, like Emmanuel had him at 14, 15 years old. He taught them how to shave. You know, he housed these kids. Yeah. He brought them from the streets to the house to the gym. Yeah. Turned them into men and world champions. Yep. If Emmanuel were here today and there was an amateur <laughs> fight and there was a pro fight on the same night and he didn't have any skin in the game, but there, he knew that there was an amateur bout uh, bouts going on at a local high school gym or a event going on at some bigger venue with pro fights, he'd go to the amateur fights. That's when you know you're in it for the love of the game. And he was, you know, the many times I had to talk to him and the thousands of times that you got to hang with him, I could always just tell he just loved the game. And when you, it's, it's funny because, you know, you hear rumors of like Pacquiao is broke and people have blown their money, this and that. And, you know, Emmanuel maybe had some issues, but, you know, at, at his time, but like he was so in love with the game that other parts he would just let slide in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like other parts of the organization of his life would slide, including his health, you know? That was the bummer, you, you know? know? You feel something, say something, go to your doctor. Uh, everything Emmanuel had was preventable. Un you know, un unfortunately, he, he knew about it early on, but he waited too long because he had training camp with the Klitschko's. So he knew about it prior to the training camp that he had to have you know, some work done. And it was, he died of essentially what started out as prostate cancer but then metastasized throughout his entire body and brain. He knew about it well before the Klitschko training camp and he could have you know, started treatments early and he waited. He just wanted to wait till after the, the fight, after that Klitschko fight. And when he came back, it was already too late. And so if you're feeling funky or someone you love is feeling funky... You know, take them to a doctor. Force them to go to a doctor. If you've got something and you need it to be addressed, don't wait on it. Take care of that shit right away. <laughs> take care of it, everything right away. And it's the irony is that our dad was a hypochondriac, and he passed away at a young age. And that was the whole freaking irony of the whole thing is that he would actually go to the doctor often for nothing. And then by the time something hit... Yeah, but it, the time it, they it, find it, out, it was already it was, too late, too. It was too late. Yeah. But so. maybe mom doesn't want to get the phone that's ringing. In the, in the, uh, Should we see who it can, is? Can you, can you hear it through your headphones? 
Is it no, blurring? No, not really, but I can. I mean, should I pick it up? No, it'll end in a second. Yeah, hopefully. Coming coming home is always you got to just you know. I'm trying to, and my brother has always been the best at this. He, every time I've had a show, he's like, "Don't talk to anybody. Stay in the back. Don't fucking come out. Don't spend your energy." Mm-hmm. And I've lived by that. And he's always always said. He also always said, "Stay hungry." Always go yep. on stage hungry. Yep. Use that last bit of energy to burn for your show. That's true. Yep, no doubt. And uh, no so doubt. basically today I'm just avoiding phone calls. All I care about is having a great show tonight, you yeah. know, yeah. having fun. It's just about fun. It's I've done 10,000 shows at this point. I don't know why coming home I get more stressed. I literally have a panic attack and nobody understands it. And everyone's like, it's your hometown crowd. I knew early on in stand-up that I had to be down. I had to be great in front of strangers. Forget your friends. Forget your family when it comes to this shit. You better be good in front of people that never met you or have heard of you. Because the people, you don't need, I don't need gratuitous laughs and gratuitous claps. You know? That ain't going to make your career. Your career is going to be made out in the world amongst strangers. You know? So that's that's what I love. But it's great. It's so great being home. But the stress is funny, you know. Now all my cousins are starting to trickle into town, and everyone's got their routine. You know, we got Michelle and Skin. You know, I don't know if I ever mentioned this on my podcast, but but my cousin Michelle, we have such an interesting web, Rob. I know. My cousin Michelle is married to Mister Skin. I think Jim should come up on stage. I think we gotta get G- a Skin up there. Do you think that I should have? Should I have my podcast equipment on a table on stage and podcast on stage? I can do that. I can connect. I can do it with the live mics, and I can record it from that device and have them on a table stand like it's an interview. Do you think that would be interesting to people that are at the show? I don't think anybody wants to sit around all day and watch that. No, because you didn't advertise that there was going to be a sit-down Q&A type of situation. It's not that type of forum for that well i want to get jim on the podcast then like while he's home well then do it tomorrow at thanksgiving or do so it so my cousin or, or is do it. married to mr skin you've heard him on howard stern you've heard him in the world he's mrskin.com but my cousin is his wife and it's just kind of hilarious that we've got like this you know internet celebrity you know in our family yeah and he's cool as shit i mean he really is he's the biggest in the business He's the biggest. The biggest in the business. He's worldwide, world-recognized, and he is disgustingly fortified. Yeah. And he's a beautiful human being. And he's a great dad, a great husband. Every time he comes home, him, him and Rob get drunk together. They start wrestling. Somebody ends up bleeding. Michelle, her husband, gets upset with my brother because he's too heavy-handed and too strong for the room. Jim winds up bleeding. Jim bleeds. And Michelle yells at me. Yeah. And, but we, this is, so tomorrow's our 15th year in a row going to the Lions Thanksgiving Day game. I've been cut out of the game. I mean, at what's this point, the, it's just tradition. I know, but what, what's the, is there ever a conversation like, how come Mike doesn't get a ticket? No, there's just not an extra ticket. It's only two tickets. I don't go to the Lions game. My brother and Mr. Skin go for 15 years in a row. <laughs> yeah. I don't even get a phone call in the morning. It's incredible. It is incredible. We, no one gives a shit. We don't even watch the game. We just go to the suite, hang out, and we party, and uh, we get goofy. They go to the number one fun suite in the Silver Dome. Yep. I mean, number one yeah, suite. At the Dome. And it's 15 years they've been going. And uh, for 15 years, I haven't been going. It's been a strong run. But my friend's a chiropractor. Maybe I call Sal and get a ticket. 
What? No. Call Saul. He's a chiropractor for the Lions. I just said that. You didn't say Lions. You said he's a chiropractor. It's like saying, oh, for, my... I said for the team. Oh, did it, you it, say team? Yeah, it ain't for the Vikings. He's the chiropractor for the Detroit Lions. He's a, my friend since fifth grade. You know? I'm going to the Vikings game next week against Dallas in Minnesota. We're taking clients there. I'm fully jealous I'll of that. Be seeing... That is going to be a fucking amazing game. <laughs> That's yeah. a great... You're going Sunday? I'm going Sunday. And then the following week, I'm going to Tampa. I'm going to the Buccaneers. I think they play the New Orleans Saints in Tampa. I'm going to that game, too. Maybe I should work for you. Yeah, you should. Maybe You'd I'll just fun. quit everything. I'm just going to work for you. My brother and my cousin are about to just... They're already exploding you all hear over something the country. Funny? You want to hear something funny? No. So yesterday, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is about 180 miles outside of Detroit. I had a meeting with this company, Colliers International. They're big, huge uh, developers and, and brokerage firm and uh, leasing firm. International, huge. So I had a meeting with uh, you know some of their, their facilities people, national facilities people, and, and senior property management team. Did like a little presentation and whatnot. Oh, there goes the phone. Ma, will you get that, please? Oh, nice she job. got it. So... <laughs> So we had the meeting, and the woman who I had the meeting with uh, says, I've, you know, I hate to ask you, and this is a little awkward for me. This is after I just did like an hour presentation for them and did a whole thing. It was great. It was phenomenal. Couldn't have gone any better. So afterwards, I'm packing up my stuff, and I'm getting ready to leave, and everyone's walking out of the room, and she comes over to me, and she says, I feel a little awkward, you know, bringing this up, but I have to drive back to Detroit tonight to pick up a car that's in for service. And I didn't want to take the bus from Grand Rapids to Detroit, and I, I couldn't really figure it out. And I know you're going back that way. Do you mind if I ride with you? So I wound up giving the woman who I gave the presentation to a ride for three hours last night back to her car that was at the, at the dealership, and I dropped her off. That's the funniest shit. Got out, carried her bags, uh, held the door for her, gave her a hug, and uh, that's how we do it. That's just the nature of what we do. Needless to say, you'll be signing that company up, (laughs) and she'll probably be over for Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's possible. She might be over for Thanksgiving. I invited her, actually. I asked her what she was doing, because she's a single older lady, and she lives by herself, and uh, I did actually ask her. If That's she wanted hilarious. to come over for Thanksgiving. But she's got to go back to Grand Rapids. They're having a big company party this afternoon, and she was heading back there with her car that was getting fixed. But that's, uh, that's, you know, that's how we do it. I think that's how we were raised, man. I don't know that either. I, I don't know if I was approachable otherwise. I don't know that people would just walk up or feel comfortable enough to ask you or me to do something like that unless we were kind of genetically predisposed to being good dudes, you know? And I think we attribute that to, you know, talking about being home and talking about family. I think everybody we talked about, you know, Brian, Michelle, even Skin is now integrated. Mom, I mean, all of our cousins and all of our extended family, these are some good human beings. We got some good human beings that we grew up around and that that are, you know, if you're gonna be influenced by some people, Hang out with us. <laughs> we got some no good, shit. We got some. We got some no cool shit. shit going on. It came from dad, from <clears throat> mom, yeah. from being raised in a big ass fun, fun family where fun was truly a priority. Yeah, growing up yeah. with our family yeah. and our sixteen cousins, first cousins, extend out thirty, you know, second cousins, and just life at a picnic every weekend or at my grandma's house. 
It was just fun was our priority. That's right. So like it just bled into our lives, and it was like right. I'm going to go into a business that I have to have fun in. I yeah. can't do something not fun. Yeah, you'd fit well in the in the restoration business because in times of need, when people are really really down, when people are bumming out that stuff has happened, you know, to bring some levity to it, not to make fun, but to to but to help them decompress, to help them uh, get back on their feet again, to see clearly again, is is it's rewarding. A, it, it's it's the most rewarding, um, and then to have the ability to fix the things around them. But well, the one thing that you can't fix are the people, and if they're really really distraught, and they're really you know put in a you know pickle or you know worried and, and scared and nervous, the best part about what we do, in my opinion, and what I do, what I get uh, the most joy out of, and what brings you know makes me most proud is to is to take people in the worst of times, in their worst situations, and to right the ship for them and to, and, and to let them know everything's going to be okay. You put, an arm, you put a hand on somebody's shoulder and tell them it's going to be okay, and you're truthful and honest about and it. And it's a heavy hand. It's, yeah, My it's, brother is heavy-handed. Yeah. So if you do that, you know, you don't mean to be forceful, but sometimes you knock them over. But, you know, you put a hand on somebody, you tell them it's going to be all right, and you look them in the eye, and you're straight up with them. And then you prove it by, you know, having, having the team of people that you have with you that feel that same feeling, that, that get that same joy out of uh, being able to service that client, that clientele. No, nobody does it better. And this it's the perfect thing for you, bro. Before you ever were even in this business, even bef- before you ever even ha- thought about Young and Sons, before you ever worked with Sheldon back in the day, you by nature made people feel good. Like you, you would talk to a cab driver on our way to Disneyland when you were 12 for 55 minutes. You know what I mean? You just, you have a love of people. You do. And it's a, it's a beautiful freaking thing. And the irony is that you're also the best athlete, toughest dude in the whole fucking neighborhood yep. and school will whoop your ass upside down <laughs> if you fucked with them through many adults, through windows in restaurants if they fucked around. Right. But it's like, don't poke the, don't poke the nice bear. <laughs> don't poke my brother. He played Division One football. So yes, he is the nicest guy. And yes, he cares. And that is true from the gut, from the heart, 100% for real. Yep. But he will whoop your ass. And I've seen it happen <laughs> in hockey, football, throughout our lives. Yep. He punched me in the face once growing up. You know, that was the last time we ever had like a real scrap until we sparred in college. That was another bad day. But (laughs) that was a bad day for both of us. I I think about that. I tell that story all the time, actually. When people talk about how close we are as brothers and they're like, yeah, I'm not that close with my family. I wish I had that relationship. And I say, you know, there's not a lot of people that have that kind of relationship that we did where we could literally cleared out the room. We moved furniture out the way so that we could have a little ring. And your apartment was not that big. It was probably eight by eight area. And we stayed in tight and fought. We, we got at it kind of tight. We weren't really... There was moving. no jabs. We were just in, fighting on the inside. <laughs> there were uppercuts, hooks to the body, and knockout shots, knockout blows. And in Arizona? In Arizona. I don't think... I think you're over-exaggerating that moment. Because what happened was I don't, we were not going 100% at each other. I was not going 100%. In your apartment? You, yeah. Uh, we were we were tagging each other, but I don't think we were going 100% at each other. We started out just trying to be controlled sparring. It got a little out of hand. I was a little faster. I, I was I was using my speed a little bit on the and I got you a couple times on the uppercuts. 
you threw heavier blows that may or may not have connected, <laughs> you were definitely very upset when you went home. I was upset when you went home, and that was the last time we ever fought physically with each other, ever, ever, ever. You, and you, you think you got the best of me that day? And you well, I, mean, I think, think I, I went I think, home upset because of that? No, no, I think you went home upset because we fought each other. We were throwing punches at each other. Yeah, I, I did get the best of you also. <laughs> I, I definitely landed more uh, blows. I definitely. It was like when oh, I boxed man. Dominic. You know, like Dominic was oh, heavy-handed, could probably, but I used to, you know, I used to pepper Dominic. But you were faster. I was faster. You had you did you didn't like to get hit at all. Nope. Couldn't take a punch and, very and well. And I chose not to hit you as much as I could have. I chose not to. <laughs> I hit you a couple times, but I could have hit you more. Absolutely. And I could have. I mean, I. I, I you don't could have what? No, I don't. Think, I don't think I hit you that. I don't think I hit you that many times. It just. It got out of hand. You hit me enough, but when you. It hit, got out of you, hand. Yeah, your thing is when you. But when we used to spar, you'd hit me and kind of look. You kind of look at me and maybe give me like a little like ha ha, like I got the best of you. Because I look. I look at boxing more as tag. I don't have. I did not have a killer instinct like you. I don't have a killer. I'm just a good fighter. I could fight right. well. I know how to move. I know. I just know the game. I don't have. I'll not, I'll take you out when you're hurt. like I'll take a I'll, when I spar somebody and I got him hurt. I'll go at him. But I don't have that killer instinct that right. you do. You also didn't drink that much milk, so your bones are brittle. I'm much weaker than my brother. When we got into it as kids, I'll never forget when you hit me. You caught me with a left hook, a right hook in my left eye. When Dad was between us. Uh-huh. And I kicked you. I kicked you in the shin. You stood up. Dad got between us. You threw a hook, blasted me, cut my eye, and that was the first time I actually felt like, okay, this is not normal strength. This not is normal. some shit that I can't ever get hit with again. Yep. And I have to pull all kinds of psychological warfare on you now. Yeah. So I'm gonna pretend I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. And you locked yourself in mom and dad's bathroom in, in Glen, on Glenmora. You yep. locked yourself in the bathroom for two and a half hours. Yep. I would periodically just walk by the bathroom door and say things as if I was in the yep. room the whole time. Yep. But I was actually going downstairs and drinking my yep. orange juice and yep. making ice cream. And then I just come back up and say a couple more things. You didn't come out, yep. and you finally came out, and we didn't really fight for a I long time. I felt bad. After. I felt like I like you were you were so mad. I remember your mad face. Yeah, because the, the rule growing up was you're never to punch your brother in the face. I never punched you in the face ever, 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 not once. Yeah, but you, you punched broke me my enough. thumb while I was sleeping. <laughs> My well. brother picked, I, we went to bed mad, right? We slept in the same room for a while. <laughs> and, we you know, we love each other. But, you know, we fought. And we went to bed mad because I did something to you. We either pillow fought and you got hurt in a pillow fight. Whatever it was, you went to bed mad. I woke up in the morning. I looked. I see, like, in a fog, my brother's holding my hand over my own head while I'm asleep. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? And he took my hand. And he fucking smashed it against the bedboard behind me, against the wall. Yeah, because you're psychological, damn. I'd rather you hit me in the face. Why? Because I did so the, much the, psychological just damage? Just psychological shit, baby. You go, baby. You call me baby. <laughs> baby. Why don't you cry like a little baby? See, You say is... shit like that to me relentlessly, and I didn't talk as, I didn't have the gift of gab as you. Oh, you got it now. <sighs> well, now it's just a little engine that could. It's just but the back engine. then, I didn't have, no, I had no uh, oratory skills. And you did, and you used to get the best of me verbally, and I didn't like to talk. 
Because you would always talk over me, like you're about to do right now. I'd go, little uh. baby, little baby. <laughs> and I remember you were on crutches from foot surgery. Ugh. And he fucking was on the floor in front of me and literally turned around and swung baseball bat style. <laughs> and he caught me in my th- other thumb <laughs> and busted my shit up. I couldn't yep. believe you went at it like that. Yeah, that's what happens because I don't have that type of skill to talk to you like that. I know, so I'm, I'm just going to unleash. So all you brothers and siblings out there, try to just get along with you, understand each other. If you got kids that fight all the time, they're going to fight. There yeah, is nothing you could do. My mom and dad would just, my dad would just go, okay, you guys want to fight? Go in the basement. Our basement was covered in blood and hockey pu- hockey puck marks. <laughs> exactly. If it wasn't blood on a, on, a, on a pole or on a white wall, there was black hockey stick marks everywhere and hockey puck For marks. Sure. There was broken shit everywhere. Dad never wanted to finish the basement because there was no need. It was basically no a need. boxing gym, ice rink, yep. party festival venue. Yep. Featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So my brother, so Rob's got two boys. They're my favorite people on planet Earth. And Ian obviously was like pissed about his homework that he had all the homework and he comes downstairs while I'm hitting Bob. He's like, Uncle Mike, can we get the headgear? Wanna, let's just spar. I said, are you mad at me? Why would you want to spar with me? I, I can't. Ian is 16 years old, and he is easily as strong as I am, if not a little stronger. He does one-handed push-ups. He does one-arm push-ups, 10 in a row, mm-hmm. both hands, no problem. Yep. He is a physical freak of nature, yep. and I don't even know if he knows it. No, not yet. I, I don't think he knows it. He's heavy-handed. And I said, no. But I said, no, because... Does he want to beat up Uncle Mike or no? And I also said no because I, I can't take his punch. I don't want him to punch me in the face, and I don't want to punch him in the face. I don't want to spar my nephew. <clears throat> he can take a punch. He can definitely take a punch, but he can yeah, but also I'm, throw a punch. He needs to spar a little bit. He needs to work out with but you. But not with me. You should spar with him. I should oh, spar yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, not, don't go 100% with yeah, him. Yeah, but, but even his 60% hurts, and my 50% hurts. Yeah, but just teach him some things. I mean, just you know, poke him a little bit and let him We don't know, have gloves like that, Don. We, we got the bad gloves. Oh. He's like, these are fine. He yeah, puts yeah. on the thinnest gloves. <laughs> I'm like, you'll knock my tooth out before my show. Right, 100%. So, yeah, just you know, maybe we get him a couple extra pairs of gloves. Maybe that's why. Uh, Hanukkah. 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 Hanukkah coming. Hanukkah's coming. This ha- weekend, Hanukkah party. Yeah, so we got the Hanukkah party. We're going to wrap this episode up because my mom's starving. We're going to get to lunch. You're not? Mom's sitting over here doing word searches. I got to get the turkey out of the oven? I got to get the turkey out of the oven. Uh, I'm going to upload this episode. We'll do at least two or three more. We'll get yep. one in with mom. Perfect. Stories that need to be told. Mike Young, at Real Mike Young on Twitter. The Real Mike Young on Instagram. It's Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a great, amazing Thanksgiving holiday. It's all about family and friends and health and happiness. And we talked about it. If someone doesn't feel good, get them to the doctor. Hopefully I rock the show tonight. Rob, thanks for talking. You got it. I'll be doing the open... I'll be I'll be the opener tonight for a minute just to intro my brother. So those are where my where my nerves are coming from. I know he's going to put on a kick-ass performance like he always does. Yeah. And I'm proud as shit of, of him and I'm looking forward to the show. And I love you. 
Love you too. Thanks for having me on. Peace. We'll see you soon. And uh, watch a stand-up guy on Netflix this this holiday season with your people. Or go rent My Man is a Loser. We're over 2 million downloads. Where's my check? God bless you. <laughs>